0: Hi! Welcome to my podcast Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjini Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalized mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help-seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely, and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Welcome to another episode of Traumatic Transformations, the part two of the perinatal mood disorders and postpartum depression and suicide education with Amanda Anderson, where we discuss what therapy and medications did for her, how she found her purpose and passion at a psych ward, and how she pays it forward by being a survival guide for others going through postpartum depression. This could be any one of us. So let's do a better job at educating ourselves and being informed of what postpartum depression and perinatal disorders mean.
1: And, you know, you brought up a good point that you didn't want to be traumatizing and you, you've you got to be empathetic. And absolutely, I, I will say, I, you know, it was against my will because I was stubborn mm-hmm. and I refused
0: to... Because according to you,
1: every, it'll just pass. Everything will get better. Everything... Yeah, and it was okay. fine. Like, no big deal. Like, I know I'm having these awful visions and it's terrifying, but I'm here getting help. So I'm doing what I can, Right? you know, like as seeing a therapist. Right. Um, I would have never, ever, ever, ever once yes. walked myself down to the ER and said, I'm concerned. Yep. I did. Because however, don't. you know, and this should have been my first red flag is I did, however, ask my husband to change the code on the gun safe. Um, and he was weird when I asked him
0: that. I remember that. It was weird. Um, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, well, yeah, that's a red flag <laughs> up the wazoo. If you ask yeah. me, <laughs> Cause I, I remember having visions in the house. Of course I don't want my gun safe. Yeah. Well, I just remember
1: having visions of like me shooting myself in the closet and then people coming in and finding me. Like I would have those visions and the way our bedroom was set up is so our bedroom then connected to the master bathroom, which was a straight walk through to the master closet, like the walk-in mm-hmm. closet mm-hmm. and where our bed was situated. If the door to the bathroom and the door to the closet were both open, there was a straight shot where I could see the gun safe straight from my bed. Wow. And it was like this almost like, you know, like when you, you've got candy on the counter and you're trying to not eat it, get it yep, and it keeps calling <laughs> at you. Yep. That's how I was feeling in the midst of it. And so it was this weird, tempting thing for me. And And then
0: imagine if you end up feeling that you can't talk to anyone or no one will understand you, or if you didn't go to the therapist, imagine.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that was a red flag that I don't even think my husband picked up on. He thought it was really weird that I was asking him to change the safe. And I, he kind of was like, oh, I don't need whatever. That doesn't make any sense. And I said, no, no, no look at me and read between the lines. My mental health is not in a good place. I do not want access to that. Good. And I we didn't, I don't know how long it was after. Again, it's right. all very blurry. I don't remember a lot of it, Right. but it was Um. anyways, it was one of those things
0: that should have been like a, let's do something right. about this. Right. But we, we didn't, I don't Most know. Most people just- don't because we, like I said, we live in such a denial place that we're like, this is not going to happen to us hmm. Until I, it happens.
1: I don't even know if it was necessarily like this isn't happening to us. This isn't going to happen to us. Like it can't affect us. It was more or less. We didn't know what the huge triggers were. Yeah. We didn't know like what would indicate as like this is a big deal.
0: hmm.
1: Like we didn't know what to look for. We didn't, right. you know, we just didn't know. There's this most lack of education. Which
0: is why I wanted you on and talk about this because yeah. it's like I, till I started exploring and looking back, even being in this line of work, I realized it now that I'm finally this year, like, you know, since June, getting out of my own motherhood crawl and figuring my stuff out. And I'm like, what, where was I the past two, two years, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? So, yeah. But in that place, I just couldn't do anything, think anything, but I was just so zoned in like the horse with blinders that just kept mm-hmm. going and didn't know, didn't care about anything else, which was yeah. not bad, but yeah. So Anyways, this, this new
1: therapist, my very first visit with her walks me down. And I just, I remember feeling so betrayed, like she wasn't honest with me. She wasn't real with me, which yes, I'm stubborn, but had she just been like, Amanda, I'm going to be honest with you. This is very concerning. And here's why Right now I want you to call your husband and let him know that you will be admitted and yep. you're going for five days. I think had she said that to me. I mean, yeah. this is in retrospect, though.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Again, y- the the therapists evaluate, they figure it out. And yep. she probably just knew that I was too damn stubborn to there, do anything. There, were,
0: there are sometimes you just can't reason. And yeah. sometimes we have to do it because otherwise, like I really am emphasizing that you would not be sitting here telling us. Yeah. This, because most people at that point know how to trick the therapist out. And, you know, no, then we would lose you. And there is no way that we can.
1: Yeah. So, you know, in retrospect, I'm grateful for the way she approached it, even though now in a clear headspace, I think there's better ways she could have done it. I don't know what my mindset was like that, right. you know, then it was obviously bad enough that it needed to be handled the way it was. Right. But I will say, though, they were very respectful. It wasn't like these TV shows oh, yeah. were like when I say against my will, it wasn't like they I was kicking and screaming and they were restraining me. It wasn't like that. It was just a, a casual like. I don't know. Just this they walked me down. They had me change into scrubs cuz with that too they they never know who has like weapons on them yep, or yep. whatever.
0: So the ward is a very different place. I must warn people. You know, it's just it, most people have the 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 vision that they have in their head about psych ward is what happens in Hollywood and that's not what it really is. So can no. I tell you what your experience was like and then we'll get into the um good parts of your-
1: Yeah, and the recovery and that's my favorite part. Um so um being admitted um it's not like the restraining jackets and the, you know, all that stuff. Um it was funny, though, because when I was first there, again, because it wasn't my choice to be there, I, I had this, like, why am I here? These people are nuts. I don't need to be here. I don't belong here. Like, I, the first day or two, I had so much judgment for my fellow patient, like, the you know, the people that were there with me. And I remember there was this one guy. I cry every time I talk about him. Aww. I just love him. I don't even remember his name. Aww. Like they were really good about, um, confidential, patient confidentiality. Yeah. And we weren't allowed to exchange phone numbers or names or anything like that in there. It's not a place
0: to um, go network. It's a yeah. place where you keep each other safe. And although
1: there are times that I do wish that I could be like, I'm thinking of yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Anyways. Um, I cry every time I talk about him, we'll just call him John. Cause I don't remember his name. Right. So, John was um always crying, like hysterically crying. And I'm like, what is his dill? Right. And you know, I wasn't very sympathetic and I wasn't very kind in my thoughts. You know, I never said it out loud, but I'm like, right. good heavens, this guy. He was like, I don't know, in his 60s or so. Um, and he was just, I mean, a blubbering mess. Right. And I can't. Sorry,. <laughs> That's okay. I came to learn his story, and uh he had just- lost his wife to cancer, and it was very quick mm-hmm. like it was like she got sick, and then all of a sudden she was diagnosed, and then like two weeks later she was gone like oh, it was wow. just a very quick traumatic thing mm-hmm. anyways, so he lost her. And then that experience was so hard on their son that he lost his son to suicide. Ugh. So he lost his wife and his son within a matter of a month or two.
0: Right.
1: And so, yeah, he's a blubbering mess, you know, like right. I would be oh. too.
0: Right.
1: And um, to see him heal and the process through at the hospital, like to get the help he needed no. and to just know that like, it's going to be okay. Right. Oh my gosh, I saw him go through such a beautiful transformation there. And even to still now, his story is the one that just is so powerful to me. Um there is other people there that, you know, one lady was sexually assaulted um early in the morning at like 5 or 6. Mm. And she was having severe like PTSD dreams. And she would wake up screaming every morning at like five or six in the morning, which when I was there, I was like, I finally just need some sleep. I need a rest. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: the first couple of days I'm like, oh my gosh, this lady, you know? Right. But then it's like, once you get to know their stories and once you get to know like what they've been through Mm -hmm. and then you, you open yourself up and you allow yourself to, to heal with them Mm -hmm. and realize that like, no, these people are just like me. They've been through something crazy and we just need a little bit of help to help us work through this. And, you know, we need to make sure we're under like easy access physicians care while we're experimenting with our meds. Because for me, it was my meds that put me there. Right. You know, I got put on this really high dose of a med that I shouldn't have ever been on. Right. Um. And so anyways, it was through there that I also found out that my meds weren't. Right. It was that was the problem. No, and so was that was really, yeah. you know, healing for me. But to experience that with these people mm-hmm. and to to think now on how beautiful their stories are and the healing transformation through it is just so beautiful. So, um, while I was in the hospital, they would provide coloring pages and like journals and just all sorts of drawing and art materials. And that was the first time that I remember specifically, like when we were in group therapy, I would just sit there and draw the whole time. My whole journal was just filled with doodles Mm -hmm. and drawings. And we had this uh, group therapy meeting and it was like, I want everybody to say something nice about the person next to you or whatever. And People just kept talking about how good I was at art. And I had never considered myself good at art. I I mean, I knew I'd always been creative, but right. it was something that was the first time that I was like, oh, I have this skill. Right. And so I finally got home from the hospital after five days. Um, and my baby was eight months old, and then my daughter was three at the time. And I told I came home and I was like, I prayed like I'd never prayed before, like, God, please just tell me what my purpose is in this world.
0: Hmm.
1: I need some direction. I need some purpose. Tell me what the hell I'm doing on this earth. And so, and it wasn't like a, you know, before I was in the hospital, it I never, ever prayed that. Mm-hmm. When I was super lost, you know, I, cause you didn't see it, mm-hmm. but then I get home from the hospital and then that's when I'm like, no, there's, I went through this big traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Now what? Yep. yep. And so I had this very, very, very strong impression that I needed to go to school mm-hmm. and I needed to do something for me. And so I went and I got my art degree and my emphasis was on architecture Mm. and I took an architectural drawing class and I did really well with it. Yay. And um, then I had a summer break and I was bored out of my mind and I needed something for me and I just started watercolor just out of the blue, Mm. never taking any classes. I just started doing it. And I posted it on Facebook and someone was like, Hey, do one for me. And then another person was like, Hey, do one for me. Hey, do one for me. So I had an instant business out of it that I was like, cool. This could be the business that I can do from home instead of busting my butt, taking care of all these kids and having all, you know, I could do art.
0: And so you're an amazing artist by the way uh, of yourself. And it's so beautiful.
1: You're so sweet. So I, it's funny. I, After my postpartum depression, I was like, I'm never having any more kids, like never, ever.
0: But I wanted to stop you there for a second. I I know you were mentioning that you wanted to mention something about hospital and your view on PPD that you wanted me to remind you about.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. So
0: we're still at the topic.
1: After I got out of the hospital and I would talk to people about, yeah, I'm going through postpartum depression. and. I, I mean, I hate to say this now. This is, Again, that was a very, very judgmental time. I really feel like healing through postpartum depression has really humbled me as a person. Mm-hmm. I'm more empathetic of people's situations. Mm-hmm. But at the time, mm-hmm. when people would tell me that they also suffered with postpartum depression, I'm like, no, you didn't. You still don't know what it's like, what I went through. Right. And its it's very judgmental you know, to think about it now. And even to say it now, I'm embarrassed right. to say
0: that because no, like I you think said, most it, of the time we find ourselves there till we get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So,
1: but it was, it was one of those things that it would frustrate me when other women would say, yeah, I had postpartum depression too. But in my mind, I was like, no, you still have no idea what I went through. Right. Right. Anyways, so it's this goes into what you were saying. And this is why I wanted you to remind me is that just because I was on a suicide watch doesn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Disvalidate? What's the- I- invalidate? Invalidate. Thank you. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> just because I was admitted in the hospital doesn't invalidate. Other other people's, people's experiences,
0: absolutely, and and I think till and I, I think that also comes from as a part of the healing because it's like if you would have told me that then and, and and I guess you would have never told me that you were judgmental, but if we find ourselves judgmental of other people, there is some stuff that we need to heal from because I think as a community and as a society and as a nation, we have to teach ourselves and our kids to. And and empathy is a skill. It's really hard to put yourself in other person's shoe because sometimes, you know, we just make it about ourselves. And we think our struggles and our hardships are like the hardest things that, you know, one can go through. And I think that sometimes as a part of healing, one of the things that we end up when we don't hold so much resentment, judgment, and, you know, um, hurt from all the things that we go through, and we recover, and we find our place, you know, we, we find ourselves in that transform place um i think out of that comes only humbleness and care and you know ability to hold space for other people's suffering as well
1: yeah and you know i i like to thank god for that for me because absolutely i was in this very selfish self-centered mm-hmm almost like putting myself up on a high pedestal above everybody else kind of mentality mm-hmm. um before i went through postpartum depression and i think I think, Hmm. I don't know his, I don't know his reasoning for giving me the things that he gave me and the challenges he gave me, but I think it was his way of hitting me with a humble stick.
0: Right. You know what I mean? And I really, I truly, as, as having been through my own struggles and now being on the other side and helping, you know, walking my patients through those journeys, I really think that suffering is a gift as long as we ask ourselves the right questions through it in order yeah. to heal and come out of it, you know, because we think that somehow suffering never happens. And I think it's like valleys and mountains after, good, there's always bad and after bad, there's always good. And yeah. all of that is temporary. It's the way we look at it and our mindset through it. So I think it's really important that we don't look at our suffering. We don't re- resist it. We don't d- deny it, but we accept it. We grow from it. We learn from it and we become our higher selves because of yeah.
1: it and i think being in the hospital and seeing that the world doesn't revolve around me
0: right right <laughs> that
1: other people have really traumatic experiences and that there's healing and beauty that comes from it yes i think was a really beautiful experience for me yes and so when i got out of the hospital and i was like well where's my story <laughs> you know what i mean i was still kind of in that selfish mode yes but it was like this is I need this transformation for me too. Right. And so anyways, I found art and yes. um, it's been amazing. I have been doing commissioned work for like, I did that for the last three years. And then this year I really transitioned to wanting to teach art online. Wow. I wanted to, to teach people how to do it, yes. even though I felt, you know, I'd only been painting for a couple of years, you know, right. I'm, you know, you get this imposter syndrome, like who am I to do this? You know? Oh, my God, I have a whole episode on that. But
0: (laughs) But, um, as a new mom, I think it's really true. We all go through that because, you know, it's like being a mom is a big shift from being a woman to a mom now also, you know. So I think it's like it brings with it so many insecurities it brings with it. It's like, you know, and I think we tend to minimize that role so much as in I'm just a mom or, you know, what do I have to say? But, you know, I think especially as new mothers, we struggle with imposter syndrome. And for myself, too, like I was I was going to launch this gen, um, in podcast in January because this whole time I'm like, who am I going to launch a podcast? What do I have to say? And I really have had to work through that and get over myself to be like, you know, no, this year has brought in itself so many hardships that I don't care what the worst thing that could come out of this is people won't listen. And that's OK. But I have to give it a shot just to know that, you know what, I have to face my fears, do my thing and get myself out there to know that I have things or two to say, and I have things or two to contribute. So yeah,
1: and you know, even if it helps one person, absolutely. Um, I had started teaching, gosh, I think I started in January with my free lessons. And then in February, I started my paid membership Yay. And, um, I'm so grateful for the people that I've been in my membership this whole year. They mm-hmm. joined us in February and then now it's November.
0: So tell and us how people can find you.
1: So, um, my website is sketched. Like you draw sketched. Mm-hmm. I'll throw and, all your
0: stuff in my show notes. Just, yeah. So just have people find for you. spelling
1: and whatnot, okay. but it's sketchedandsealed.com. and mm-hmm. And, um, we do, our primary offering right now is our self-care art membership. And 2020 kind of took us some, you know, time to figure out what we were doing. Like it's not just watercolor lessons online. Yeah. And I kind of had, I took some business classes and things to kind of help me figure out how to like portray like my, my messaging and and what Mm -hmm, we do. mm -hmm. And I feel like finally now here comes November and I finally figured it out. (laughs) So I'm so grateful for my members for sticking with us in this whole transition period and like letting us experiment with them and try new things. And anyways, so now we're developing this new framework where we have a watercolor lesson, like a start to finish. Let me walk you through this whole process. We do that one week. And then another week we have Jess, who's my partner in this. She does the, um, the art journaling portion. And mm-hmm. so she teaches you how you can use art in your own creative freedom. Wow. She just kind of gives you her creative process, like how she does it. Awesome. And then letting that be a form of expression.
0: And then you. so kind of walk me through, because I know that you do these other things to kind of walk, you walk me through how you had mentioned to me before, how art helped you through your um, postpartum journey, where that was a part form of your self-care and you just used art to be mindless.
1: So, I mean, now I went and I got my, I'm a therapeutic art life coach. So Mm. I got a life coach certification in therapeutic art. Mm. And after taking that course, it kind of helped me take a step back and realize, oh yeah, that's why I was naturally pulled to drawing and coloring and creating because there's all of these scientific reasonings and proven benefits that what painting and drawing and coloring can do for your mental health.
0: Absolutely. The
1: the act of just coloring in a coloring book, it can reduce anxiety, reduce stress. There's something between that creative connection between your hand and the healing powers in your brain that I can't quite explain, but you know, um, I'm going to share something with you that's new and exciting. And I've only told my husband, our moms and my best friend. So, you know, here we go. Um, I actually, so I have my associate's degree in Mm -hmm. art, um, Mm -hmm. and after taking my life coach certification and, and, you know, being involved in the therapeutic art world, Mm -hmm. um, and doing all those things in our membership, I really have a desire to go back to school. And um, I just, today... At the mm-hmm. day of this recording, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. November sixth is when we're recording. Uh-huh. Today, I submitted my application with the university um, mm-hmm. that I'm local to, yeah. and I am going back to get my fine arts education. Wow, bachelor's degree.
0: Hmm. And
1: so I'm getting a bachelor's degree so I can teach art if I choose to, you know, teach at a high school or you know For something sure. like that.
0: Yep. 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 yep.
1: But maybe with the back-end intention of getting my master's and becoming an art therapist.
0: Absolutely. How oh, are you? I'm so excited for you because art, like I, so part of my life. And I'll tell you what, what, what the part of the art and the way I know about. Because I'm also, you know, big into neuroscience and healing and the parts of the brain and what these things do. I, I like to know the why of everything. Um, so uh, part of my life was uh, involved uh, working at a psych ward. It was a private hospital when I was in grad school when I was in North Dakota absolutely saved my mental health by working at that place and this wealth of experience that I got by being there. We used to do one, one of the big parts of that psych ward was art therapy. Um, I I had experience working with children as little as nine years old and seven years old and, you know, uh, adults as old as 71 years old. And art was definitely a part, big part of our, you know, healing and recovery process at the psych ward. And now, you know, 12 plus years later, uh, that I study trauma and, you know, left brain, right brain. So there's a whole healing part. And the, stu- the scientific part of that is uh, it reduces your anxiety, but then there is all these research done on different colors that invoke different, you know, um, parts of our brain, triggers different parts of our brain. And as a result um, creates calming um, experience um, and, you know, A lot of times when we go through certain traumatic memories or something, it's a very subconscious experience. Trauma doesn't have language. Trauma, um, you know, starts with sensations in your body, the physical sensations in your body. And it starts with, you know, then the emotions and the feelings. We assign emotions and the feelings. And then it's like the left brain, the way we understand, perceive based on our experiences and how we grew up and, you know, who we grew up around. Um, So the left brain part is a very judgmental, decision-making, accounting, math, engineering part of our brain. Whereas our right brain is very creative, imagination, um you know uh, d- d- emotions feelings part of our brain and one of the things that art does is that it helps us just like you know breathing or just like all, all of those um the, the right brain uh, like when you do art or when you do certain things that you, you you don't assign language to or speak about you are tapping into your right brain which is the creative, emotionally ima- imagination part of your brain, um, and it 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 triggers that part of your brain because during trauma, that part of your brain almost sort of is dysregulated. So art teaches you to emotionally regulate and um, strengthen the insula and the cingulate part of your brain, which helps you then regulate your emotions. Sometimes you don't have to speak it, you do it, but you are, you know, energizing those muscles, so to speak, or strengthening those muscles in your brain, um, to sort of, um, create those, uh, invoke the relaxation response to your trauma or through, through your, to your experience. That's why.
1: You know, I'm so glad that you can connect the science to the act of doing it because we've had so many of our members say that they they feel like they need a journal what they're taught what they're feeling and what they're thinking, but the words can't come. Yep. And
0: that's yep. why there we- are no words for all the things that colors, art, imagination, feelings can do. Yeah. We do not have enough in our linguistic vocabulary part of the brain. And that's why as a trauma therapist, when I process a lot of subconscious, you know, some trauma just has to be processed subconsciously. And some things as they happen to us, we don't put meaning to it, but we assign, feel, think all those things. And they have to be undone or rewired the way it was done to reprogram it, so to speak, in a puzzle that now makes sense.
1: Yes. And and that's why we added the art journaling portion. Well so thank you so much for mentioning yeah.
0: that. Yes.
1: To like, we added the art journaling portion to our membership specifically for that. And at the time when we added it, we didn't know all those things, Right. but then we got our life's coach, our therapeutic art life coach certifications. And we realized why Mm -hmm. art journaling is so therapeutic for your mental health. And we also added specific We can't call them art therapy because we're not art therapists, right? right? And that's another reason why I do want to go and get my degree in this. So that way I I feel more qualified to do Yes, 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 yes. yes. art therapy, you know, and, and I can
0: learning and you know, improving yourself. You're doing yeah. great right now as it is, but if it if it if it means that that you would be more satisfied or yearning to be that better version of yourself then that that's what it would take. I think life is all about learning and we continue to grow and we learn more and we acquire more and we become more as a result yeah. of that, you know.
1: Yeah. So we added some therapeutic art practices and exercises to it and we've, we just have this beautiful framework now. So yeah, sketchedandsealed.com, go check it out. We just Thank updated those so sales much. page for it and it's so much fun. We also have a free art club hmm. um, that I'm in the process of revamping right now. Hopefully by the time you air this, I'll have it ready. That'd um, be next Thursday. Yeah. Where, yes. <laughs> uh, well, good motivation. I'll get a kick in my pants and get it going. Okay. Um, we have a, I did have it going for a minute, but then I want to instead of just putting a bunch of random tutorials, I want to have purpose in there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. So, anyways, we've got those. Um, the free art club that you can go onto my website and join that. Um, I'll, I'll get you a link for your show notes specifically sure, sure, sure. for Thank that you. when I have that ready for you. Yes. Um, for that opt in page. But I mean, going back into, um, you know, me starting school and doing these things. I I feel like your audience yeah, specifically could relate to this because I think my family, <laughs> I mean, this is me assuming and me putting words in their mouth. So I could be totally off base here, mm-hmm. but, um, I already am super overwhelmed. My mm-hmm. husband's deployed. Mm-hmm. I have four small children. They're eight, five, three, and one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I'm running my business from home. Wow. And
0: like I'll, you said, you are you never allow yourself break, do you?
1: No, <laughs> never. And I mean, my house is a mess. Like, every, You can't see what's behind me right now. But my house is a mess. Like every single room in my house needs care. Um, my kids are falling behind in their schoolwork. I'm falling behind in my business. Like I feel like we're falling short in every single category. And then for me to just be like, I'm going back to school. Like it sounds... <laughs> far-fetched and people are probably like, what the hell are you doing? You know, it's not their
0: life to live. It's yours. Right. Well,
1: and here's the thing. And this is why I think it's important to mention this is I'm going to say it bluntly. I do not like being a stay at home mom (laughs) and it's okay. And you know, it's funny because I I was born and raised in Salt Lake in Mm -hmm. in Utah and the Mm -hmm. Mormon culture there is very high. Mm -hmm. And the culture that I've grown up in is one, I mean, not grown up in my, my mom is an LDS and we didn't grow up with that. My mom worked outside the home, Mm -hmm. but over time, everybody else Mm -hmm. that you're associated with that live around you that are in your community, it's part of this expected role that, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm a Latter-day Saint too, so I'm not talking trash or anything, but I will say this is the one thing about the culture that really gets me is, um, there's this expected role that the dad is supposed to provide mm-hmm. and he is the breadwinner.
0: So, most of the time. Yeah. I grew up with that narrative, but yeah. It really doesn't
1: and, to me. and mom is supposed to stay home with the kids yeah. and clean the house and cook the dinner and wear the pearls and vacuum the floor. Yeah. And <laughs> I, you know, as, as great as that is, and, you know, I do love, you know, caring for my family and all of that. And I love my children. I love them a lot more when I can get eight hours to myself and then come home to them. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, it's one of those things that society almost makes you feel guilty for saying Mm -hmm. there's, there's this meme out there, um, or, or this quote or something. I can't, I don't even know where it came from, but it says society wants you to raise your kids while working, but then work like you don't have kids. Right. Yes. And You know what I mean? And it's like, well, you can't please anybody. So I'm just going to tell them all to bag it and I'm going to do what I need to do for me. Absolutely. And so if I can get my children, um, even my neighbor, she's a fantastic support system. And she mentioned wanting to be a nanny for us. And I was like, get it, girl. Because the... (laughs) we, we live in this teeny tiny, small military town. We have like a Walmart and like three gas stations and that's it. Um, and so it's an hour drive to the university Mm. and I'm hoping to do most of it online, but if I do need to go up to Boise, I'm going to need someone to like pick up my kids from school and help them with their homework and, you know, do those things. And I think it's, it's an important message to send that it is Okay, there's
0: a lot of working moms, I think, especially in the first two, three years, we feel so guilty about working and becoming and then we feel so at loss for not being something or having to give up our careers or, you know, just pausing it or whatever that journey looks like for most women. And I think it's really difficult place to figure it out by not worrying about the societal, you know, the, the pressures and doing what you have to do for your Journey and your life and your family. Yeah, um, I know that as as a culture we're not raised that way, but I think we. I don't know. To me, I struggle with. Then are are we conscious parents by just or are we role modeling our kids? You know, and teaching them that do something that you're passionate about, do something that fulfills you, do something that you know, fulfills your purpose of being on this planet instead of just living a life for others and just being on autopilot and accepting that mediocrity that you don't relate to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to note that. Okay. So when I was doing my associate's degree um, back in Texas um, at the time, I just had the two little kids. I went to school And then surprise, here comes baby three. Um, That was a big surprise for us. And I had him during midterms. I was legitimately in labor and delivery submitting midterms. Wow! And then I submitted two of them while I was in there. And I emailed my other professor and I was like, Hey, I know my midterms due tomorrow, but I'm having a baby today. Can I get an extension? He goes, yeah, just get it to me before finals and we'll call it good. And, you know, I was grateful for his, you know, yeah. Flexibility on that and you know wasn't going to talk me points for not having my midterm in time. But um my point is is that time where I got to prioritize myself mm-hmm. even while we were adding another baby to our family. Mm-hmm. Even while I had a newborn and mm-hmm. a 2-year-old and a 5-year-old, that was the happiest time for me as a mom mm-hmm. because I knew that my kids were safe. Mm. They were being taken care of. And honestly, the care that they were in was probably better than what I would, could, what I would or could give them. Exactly. Because I'm one that when I have downtime, the last thing I want to be doing is sitting on the floor playing Legos. I have goals I want to get done and I'm going to get them done, you know? And it's, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. Right. There's this mom guilt narrative. Right. But at the same time, I'm naturally wired for ambition and goals and achievement. Yep. And when that gets suppressed, right. that's when depression kicks
0: in. Absolutely. And
1: I I am grateful for the people whose natural, I don't know, instincts with children is to play with them and do those things and, you know, provide those good structures and routines for them because that's not built within me. Right. You know, and I think it's
0: just knowing yourself and knowing what your need is and what, what your, what fulfills you at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And, um, and allowing people to help and, you know, being, going back to that being like the happiest time for me was because my kids were so edified. They Mm -hmm. had so much fun at school with their friends, with their teachers. Mm -hmm. They got to build all of these connections with all of these amazing people. And in turn, I built these connections with these amazing people. My gratitude is always still so high for the people that helped with my kids Mm -hmm. um, because they become part of our family. Absolutely. And I know that I can still accomplish my dreams and getting away from the house and doing something for me. Mm-hmm. Does so much more for my mental health. So that way when I am around my children, I am less stressed Holy out. Judgment. I'm I'm more present. I'm more excited to be with them. I'm a I'm a better mom right. when I can be away for a while. Absolutely. And,
0: and I think a lot of us moms feel so guilty with that concept and struggle with that. Um, So I really am so glad that you mentioned that because when you have multiple kids, it becomes that much more of a juggling game between, you know, the different ages and how where you are in that part of your life and through those births and how you juggle all of that and still be yourself. And yet, you know, you let them be them and thrive.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I just thought that was an important narrative that it's okay to focus on you. There's those memes that it's like, Once you have kids, it's not about you anymore. And those piss me
0: off because that's not true. Yeah, And you I have think that's, kids. Where, that's one of the reasons why I wanted this podcast, because I am a cycle breaker. I'm all about, it's great to take the things that we got from our previous generation, our parents and theirs, but some things are not okay. So let's break those cycles and do the things that works for us and in our generation and the generation that we, you know, then pass those um, tidbits too. Because I think if we keep doing the same thing, just because we keep doing the same thing, um and and it's bad doesn't mean it needs to be kept passed on too, you know yeah um, we can do different things based on our lives based on who we are based on evolution and based on just our improvement
1: yeah and you know I think going back into knowing who you are and what you need yes um, that is knowing that is a really good thing for your children too
0: Absolutely.
1: because I know that when I'm kept inside the house and I have all these kids and I have so much anxiety about taking them places like you hear all those stories about people snatching your kids or whatever mm. I just I I get so much anxiety taking them places that I just don't and mm-hmm. so you know I'll do Walmart grocery pickups I'll have Amazon deliver what we need to our house I don't take them to the grocery stores I you know I if I take them for an activity I make sure that there's at least two other adults there to mm. help me because there's four of them in one yeah. of them yeah you know? anyways, my point is is that because I'm constantly like almost being just a homebody with my kids mm-hmm. and then I get stressed out when there's too much noise, which yeah, was for the kids it's really that comes
0: stimulating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then so the too much noise, the too much audio, and then there's clutter and stuff around me. It's mm-hmm. like way overstimulating.
0: And it triggers me. I'm just like, oh, and my God, I'm lo- about to lose my stuff. Yes. <laughs> get this under control.
1: But I've, I've heard the narrative that I say, like, y'all are going to drive me nuts or, you know, I'm about to lose it. I hear my kids in mm-hmm. turn then say that. Or mm-hmm. I hear them talk to each other the way I talk to them. Yep. I don't allow them to talk to so each other that way. It's not what we
0: say, but it's what we do. That yes.
1: And us. and I think knowing that I'm a better mom when I get some time outside of the home away from them, mm-hmm. it starts to change that narrative in the way that I talk to them Absolutely. and the way they talk to each other. I think it's very important that people know it's oh okay. Absolutely. To Take that time for yourself. If you feel that you are going to be a better mom. Yeah. And if that helps just one person, even if you go get a job at Walmart, whatever it is that you feel like, if you just need to be away from the house for a hot minute, like do it's it. okay.
0: You I'm, know what I mean? I'm all for it because I think if we, we can't pour from an empty bucket. And I think the whole narrative of new motherhood is, And I think the pressures that we feel from the society, the pressures that we put on ourselves based on our perception and perfection and our comparisons to other people and all those things, I really think that it's important that we take some time for us, whether it's doing art, whether it's writing, whether it's reading, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditating, whether it's going out to the nature and just being by yourself or whether it's just sitting in your car and taking that 10 minutes, you know? it is absolutely important to just take that time for yourself for at least 10 minutes a day. And I know it's difficult and I didn't do it for a year and a half. I wish I did. I really wish I focused on my mental health, but I guess now looking back, I was like, wow, I was going through PPD, and I need to acknowledge that. And, you know, sort of sit with that and not resist that part of my life and beat myself up over it. So absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said that too, because so that's a big thing that we focus on with our, our members is make sure you're taking the time for yourself. And, and that's honestly why a lot of people sign up for our program is because they, they know they need to take time for themselves, but they're not sure what to do. Yes. And they know that they need a creative outlet and they could use some therapeutic practices, but they have no idea where to start or what to do. And we kind of just guide them through that. Um, and, you know, we provide the solution for art, but some people, their solution might be through music, through exactly.
0: dance, yeah. through
1: through exercise, through running, through, um, I've even seen people like their, their thing is, um, gosh, I'm like just hitting his own quilting or, you know, whatever it is yeah. that you need to do that's for you. Right. I mean, some people, it, it can be like doing people's taxes, you know, whatever you get your jollies <laughs> from. You, whatever it is that makes you happy right
0: do find that thing yep like I used to love going to work as much as I was anxious being there but when I could just i when I knew my child was with a nanny and, you know, I would watch him between every appointment in the beginning. And then I'm just like, no, this is my time with my patients. I switch off and I become theirs and I'm fully there. And at the end of the day, when I come home, I feel so fulfilled that I contributed to the world. I did something Mm -hmm. useful for somebody else. And as much as I love my child and as much as I, you know, um, do everything I do for him and contribute to my, most of my time to him, I think some time to myself fulfills me and my purpose yeah. in this world. I so,
1: agree. And so it's just finding what jazzes you up absolutely. And, and doing more of that. And, um, we actually have a scheduling guide, um, that we give to, you know, if people need it, we have that free resource and it's about like, well, where can you cut time? Cause people are like, I don't have time for this, but yep. then they spend several hours on social media, just scrolling.
0: Yep. So it's like, okay,
1: well, what can you cut?
0: Right. Right. But
1: you, you know, you're never going to find the time. Yep. You have to make the time. Absolutely. Um, there was a lady on my podcast, um, her handle is at unapologetically me blog And she's fantastic. But she was saying that she puts it on her calendar like she would for her kids. Like my son has speech therapy twice a week. It's on our calendar. We go to that appointment, we don't miss it. So, you know, you have to start doing that for yourself. So, put it on your calendar. This is my painting time. This is my running time. Whatever it is, this is my time. And I am sticking to that appointment like it's an appointment. Exactly.
0: That's what <laughs> I used to do. Like Mondays and Thursdays used to be my work days. And that's it. I have to go. There is no ifs ands and buts about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so just I, protecting that time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because I really think that, you know, um, I know that we mentioned self care, but I think we can't mention it enough. And now looking back, I'm just like, wow, that that's so important. Um, and I I, I didn't, think of some of those things the way I think of it now, but I really am big on mental wellness through this time of a woman's life. And, um, I think it's really important that we have this discussions. So thank you so much for sharing. I think I'm going to have to make this a two-part interview. Because <laughs> I'm really excited that I want to get it all, but I also want to capture people's attention. So um, really thankful for your journey, for you sharing and being so open and honest with us about some of the things that you struggled with and are had gone through and are still going through. So um, I think it really helps knowing um, and you know normalizing some of the things that I wish to accomplish to this medium. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I, this was seriously, I
0: could I, talk to you for you hours. Can be back anytime. I, <laughs> I could talk to you for hours. I know we started with, I know your kids are outside watching and, you know, the TV and I'm just going to keep you for 45 minutes, but I just had so much to talk to you about. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Absolutely.